Hello everybody, I'm Camille and welcome to another episode of the Soul Sisters Balancing Acts. Today Anita is on her drive home from Minnesota so she won't be joining us for this podcast um, but I do have two lovely other ladies to join in on a conversation that I was dying to know the dialogue that happened behind this. Um, so I'll give you guys a little bit of a backstory before I dive in but I have with me um, Robin Evans and Kelsey Ekdahl here to join me. Um, she, I have a fellow, they're both friends and companions of mine through the competing, or the competing world. Um, but I also, Robin came to me from Shine Bikini uh, to message me about her suit for her competition. So that's how I saw her contact on that end. Um, and I know Kelsey, I've trained with Kelsey um, for years. So I knew her as a training coach would have specific reasons to um choose when to compete. Um, and I just got connected with a new competitor recently um, that had a similar question of, okay, I think this competing thing sounds really interesting to me, but how do I know what show to do and when I should compete, what time of the year, what my body's doing. So, and I knew that your conversation had specifically happened. So I wanted to ask you guys uh, how this came about. So thank you again for coming on the show today. Uh, Robin, start me off and tell me when you first reached out to Kelsey about when that might have been or what that conversation looked like. Oh, wow. That was so long ago. Uh, exactly. Three years? Yeah, um, whole, like beginning story because that's an important part to all of this that everybody needs to hear. Um, when, okay, so, oh my God, brain fart. What's her name? Angela. 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 Okay. Well, Angela worked at my kid's school, and she did bodybuilding through Kelsey. And at the time that I ran into Angela, I was deaf. It was so crazy how it worked out because I was looking for some new motivation. I had been training with a trainer at LA Fitness for a year and a half. And I had these small goals, like I wanted to lose weight first. And then I just wanted to, uh, I had a goal to look good for my 10th year anniversary. Once I got past that, I was like, what else is there to do? Like I needed something else to keep me going. I was burnt out of going to the gym. I just needed a new motivation. And so I ran into Angela and she goes, you should do a show. And I'm like, What's, what show? She was body duty. Instantly I was turned off because growing up, my big broad shoulders, I was teased, called a bodybuilder, which was not something that sounded good back then, but hey, if you call me a bodybuilder today, let's go. <laughs> but back then, it was like, you know, that was rude. So naturally, I was turned off like, no, I don't want to do a bodybuilding show. But then I did some research into it, because every time I saw Angela, she kept saying it, like, you look good, you should do a show. And then finally, she goes, you should meet my coach. Her name is Kelsey. And I go, okay. So she gave me her number. And I reached out to Kelsey, we set up a consultation, and we went, I went out and met her for the first time. And I ain't gonna lie, the first consultation meeting we went to, I kind of was locked in at that point, because the way Kelsey just explained everything, laid it out to me, just sounded, you know, pure stuff. And then what really sold me was I was looking at her in her off season, and I'm going, you're a bodybuilder. You look great, like you don't look like Oh, I guess I expected bodybuilders just always look like bodybuilders, but she looked really good. And I go, you don't look like a bodybuilder. She goes, well, yeah, I'm in my off season, so you know we're not gonna always walk around looking all fussy. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that kind of sold 
me too. Like I can still have my femininity as well as looking all chiseled out. So the more and more I learned about the sport and the more and more I got to know Kelsey, the more I was intrigued in it. However, what do we start? Like we start hitting it hard, like in September, 2018, we started out, um, I was in the middle of my house buying process to be honest. So I was in a hotel, like a little extended stay hotel. And Kelsey gave me my food and I was in there preparing my food in an extended stay. Like that's how dedicated I was. Um, that was like the September 2018 we started. Around December 2018, I told Kelsey I gotta fall back because monetarily I couldn't afford to pay her and the hotel and clothes. I told her, but I'll be back. I don't know what she thought at that time. I don't know if she probably was like, yeah, I've heard it all before. I'm not sure if she'll be back. It took me an entire year. Like, I didn't come back to her until September of 2019. And I was like, I'm ready. And she goes, okay. We started everything over again. She gave me my new macros, which were, like, super high. I was like, whoa, no. In the hotel, they were high. I was like, I can't eat all this. <laughs> and she was like, no, just get it in, shove it in. You can do it. And, um, so yeah, fast forward a year later, I, I got into it and I just knew I was ready at that point because I had bought my house already and I was in my home and I was ready to, I knew it was something I knew I wanted to do, um, even if it was just one time. So that's my story, how we got into it. <laughs> so Kelsey, what was your reaction in that uh, one year departure? Um, because I'm a trainer as well. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you thought. What, what were your expect? What were your hopes or your expectations? How'd she do? How'd you feel? What was your? Because she she even said, "I wonder what she thought during that time." What do you, what was your standpoint? So like, well, first of all, when Robin came to me, like I knew she was going to be awesome. Um, and it just it ended up just not being the right time in life for her. And and really like for fitness in general there's never a right time, right? So, like, I think one of the biggest things that hurts people is they think that they're going to have this optimal time to be able to change their life, change their body, all that stuff. That's a lie. However, when it comes to bodybuilding, because it's so extreme, you do need to be in a place in your life where you don't have a lot of major life things going on. So, like, for Robin, she was in the process of moving, which is a huge life change. And that can put a lot of stress on the body. Obviously, it's expensive, like all that kind of stuff. And so it just wasn't quite the right time. And so when she told me that, um, I was 100% in agreement. I'm like, I'm totally in agreement with this. You need to step away. You need to take care of your life first. Like, that's important. And then when you're out of that, then we can compete. And so when she when she mentioned that to me, I mean, I, I knew she was going to be back just because she had been so dedicated in the first place, um, that I wanted her to come back at the right time of her life. And she actually did. She came back. Uh, everything was settled. She was ready to rock. She hit it hard right off the ground. Um, but she was in a spot in her life where she didn't foresee or have any big life changes coming. So that was a very important thing for her. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I mean, I feel like it was kind of like an old friend coming back to just kind of pick up when you left <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, 
but but one of the other things that I like I really stressed to her at first that I knew that she was going to come back and do it again was is I always tell my people the negative that's competing first, and I make sure that I lay out the like hard truth about competing. And when I told her that at our initial consultation, like basically, you know, I wouldn't do this if I were you type thing. She was like, okay, like that's cool, like I can do it, you know. And like, that's kind of thing. That's the mentality you have to have, and that's how you also know that you're ready to compete is, you know, if you can swallow those hard truths about competing, and it still intrigues you and you still want to take on the challenge, that's how you know you're going to be a good competitor. That's amazing. I love hearing that. There's so many things that I love about the way in which you approached it, especially as a first-time competitor. I know that it's so appealing to want to compete as soon as you learn about it and to dive in and to find a coach that will take you. Sometimes, unfortunately, competitor, I've seen competitors and coaches have that discussion. Is this a good time to compete? And the coach says, rare, there's two scenarios. The coach will say, no, I don't think it's a good time to compete. And the client, like, if will you will say, yes, okay, sounds good. Let's pick a smart date. Sometimes they say, I don't care. I'm going to find someone who will train me. I hate when that happens um, because that's usually the cl- the coach that takes a client when they're not, the timing is not right, is looking just for the money. And they're typically not going to give you the time of day or attention to health and vitality as much as someone who is going to say, hey, let's think about our timing a little bit more strategically here and lay out a little bit more long-term plan so you can be set up for success in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think... You know, financially, it has to make sense just to be a responsible person. My biggest thing about competing, I'm such an advocate for the sport, but it has to make sense for your life. And you have, guess what? When the show is done, you go back to your life. <laughs> um, competing and going on a contest prep can definitely feel like an escape from your life because you're just so driven and dedicated to one object. Um, but once that show is over, you have to go back to real life and you have to and it's best to be able to use the things that you learned during that process and take it with you in your life. So I would imagine that if you start out this contest prep in a very proactive way and saying, okay, let's think about the timing, you can have a more positive post-show experience because you're looking for that long-term plan as well after the show. Um, but I'm curious because uh, everybody has post-show experiences. So I'm curious to hear about how that was for you, Robin. Um Oh, man, um, you're not prepared. There is nothing anybody can tell you. One thing I always say about this sport that I've learned is unless you do it, there is no way. Like, Kelsey's done many shows, you've done many shows. You guys can give me some of your experiences, but you will never be able to let me know how mine is going to be. Everybody's going to be different, and there's no way to explain it until you're, like, in it. Um, Okay, so doing the Minnesota show, I didn't really have a time to absorb it being over because my I was tunnel vision on the Florida show. So after my show, stepping on stage, I went home, I had my potatoes, I had my steak, I had my three rice cakes I was allowed because I, I swept the show. <laughs> and the next morning I was back on cardio, you know, back on my thing, like a second peak week in a row because I was driven for that Florida show. Flying home from Florida, I was good. I walk in my house, and I open
opened the fridge and there was like some little things that reminded me of my prep. And it was like, I realized that my prep part was over. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks, like boom. The tears start flowing. I'm like, oh my God, what is this? I got so emotional and I just couldn't stop crying. Like I was so sad that it was over. You literally dedicate every part of your life. It's a lot of people say it's a selfish sport. Like Kelsey reminds me, it's not that you're a selfish individual, but it is a selfish sport because you really have to dedicate everything to it. In the beginning, it's fun. You're lifting heavy, you're eating a lot, you know. But towards the end, those last three months is like very tedious. You gotta, there's no time for hanging out. You gotta get home and get your sleep. You gotta, you know, prep your food. You gotta make sure everything's good. You gotta get your workout in. It's so much around it. Those last three months become so, your life becomes so consumed with that. I don't know, like, I'm driven by that. Like, I'm just, like, powerhouse by that. Like, I'm weird, I guess. <laughs> That's how you know the sport's for you. Because you, like, thrive off of that craziness. Some people are like, That's crazy. Like, no, not me. I, in prep, I'm driven. And it's, like, the funnest, most exciting part for me. And so when I got home, I realized, That's it? Like, that's it's over? It just, it was so overwhelmingly, I did not expect to be crying. I didn't, no one could have prepared me for that. And even Kelsey said, you know, hey, it happens. You just never know what's going to happen. And she just, she walked me through. She goes, it's just, it's not all forever. You know, and now I'm back on prep. So I went, okay, so you asked me real quickly. For the first three weeks, I will not lie. I wasn't, I tried to stay as strict as I could, but there were moments where I just binged. Ate a bunch of treats I probably shouldn't have ate. Um, went some days where I was just like, screw, screw it all. I'm just, I want this, I want that. And mentally, I just was like, my body's like, no, no, stop. And my mind's like, food, food, food. Um, but for the most part, Kelsey gave me a plan, which was great. I had a plan to go to. Because if you don't have a plan, you're screwed. Because um, even when I was doing my little binging, I still had that to revert back to and to keep me steady and the last couple weeks that's what i've been doing and i've been enjoying now last night i prepped for the whole week and i'm like now i'm back on my prep i feel in control now i'm good <laughs> but those first three weeks after the show was like i don't know who i am i was bloating i was um the weight the extra weight the extra weight didn't bother me what was was bothering me was the bloat just my stomach bloating up and my legs and my and my feet. And I'm like, what in the world? And I talked to a lot of other competitors who were around my age. They said they'd been competing since they were younger. And they said they noticed the closer they get to 40-ish, they dealt with that bloating a lot more. And I just think maybe if I'd have just, you know, didn't binge as much, <laughs> it might have been different. And then I did a lot of flying. I did a lot of flying in between there too, so that just between the flying and the blow and the binging, it just screwed me up. So, but I feel as normal as possible now. I feel as much as much as back to myself at this point. And I also the biggest thing that I learned about all of it is consistency. I always go back to consistency. Just you can't make any changes or see what's going on until you get back to consistency. So. That's what's working for me now. <laughs> um, I have a couple questions. Uh, a, my, if you were to ask me, 
what what do I wish would have been better about my reverse diets for my all three of my post-show experiences I would have said verbatim the exact same quote I wish there would have been less binges <laughs> like as simple as that right like how do you wish you would have improved I wish it wouldn't have happened the way that it happened um I yes I've shared my story on that post-show experience a numerous times um, uh, but my, this leads to my follow-up question of Kelsey. What was that? How much did you raise her calories? If you don't mind sharing, um, you don't have to share start and finishing points, but what was that initial calorie jump post-show, uh, for those first three weeks? Um, cause I'm curious because I've had different three, done three different ways and I've felt three different levels of control after the show. So I'm curious on what you prescribed to her. Yeah. So, I mean, well, we'll go off of because in a peak week, we increase calories throughout the week. So yeah. I'll go based off of her lowest day. Yeah. Um, because during those first like four days of her peak week were the lowest she had been. Um, and we jumped from there. We jumped about 600 calories. Okay. Um, from there up to her maintenance. And the reason I did that, um, because I've also done several different days of coming up out of the show. And, and learning from other, like, high-level coaches and all that kind of stuff that I found is one of the best ways to do it is instead of trying to bring somebody slowly up every, like, 50 to 100 calories, where there's still so, like, they're starting so much that the binges are far worse. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring Robin's calories up high enough to where she could enjoy the foods that she wanted to enjoy and eat a lot more mm-hmm. um, and not feel like she needed to bend as much. And I will tell you that based off of what Robin has told me about her like coming out of the show and what I have seen from myself and other competitors, she actually did phenomenal. Like it feels like you did terrible, like you didn't follow the plan verbatim, but right. compared to what I have seen in the past, like she came up like tremendously better than some of the other people have done because there was that room to play mm-hmm. and she didn't feel like she was as starving and she would have been had I brought her up like, oh, we only get a hundred dollars more. Like that's torture, right? So <laughs> that's what I would suggest. I mean, if anybody's listening um, and like thinking about reverses and stuff, I would suggest bringing it up to a good maintenance level and then letting the weight level out and then slowly from there. Like, we, we've let her kind of, like, let the dust settle. And she put on a good, like, without information. I mean, she put on a good, like, 7 to 10 pounds, which is what I expected. Mm-hmm. From there, then we slowly increased it up based off of her weight staying the same. So, like, I'm waiting for her weight to level out, and then we slowly start to increase calories from there. Awesome. Yeah, like, it wasn't like a full-on binge. It would be like an extra, like, a, like some of those little cookie thing, major cookie things, or I eat, like, some red vines, like, I would eat with my bodybuilding brain, it's like, no, it was bad. Right, and I think that's super important. Like full-on crazy binge. I think it's super important to call out that feeling, and to, like, to be able to feel comfortable feeling that feeling of a lack of control in those moments, right, it's not necessarily that you did the most extreme things. Um, but it's that surrendering of feeling and not feeling in control anymore that I think is a lot really scary for a lot of us, especially because a lot of competitors are control freaks. We, like you said, you get that exhilarating feeling from feeling in control. 
and from having yes. uh, like cult, being able to cultivate a positive experience and being able to follow through with all of the things you set yourself up to do. So when you give up that control and you don't have your sights set on something specific, it's a terrifying feeling because you have the opportunity to make your make a good decision and be proud of yourself or make a bad decision and let yourself down. And the, the thing that always helps me, and it, oddly enough, this advice didn't come from the bodybuilding world, but came from my personal in, um, cultivation of a happy place, is the goal is not to never fall down again. It always feels like, oh my gosh, I can never fall down again. So you're three weeks post-show right now. You had your moments of, you know, okay, whoa, whoa, that was a little scary. But, you know, you're feeling good and in control again. But I just want to remind you that the goal yeah. isn't to never fall down again because I will be willing to bet you might experience that moment of fear with food again in the future. And the goal is to never, not never feel it again. It's to recognize the next time it's happening and to be able to coach yourself through that emotion again right. and be able to make peace with those feelings and approach that situation from a different mindset the next time. And it's how do you stand up faster the next time? Because it just, I, I you can't help but feel like, okay, I never want that to happen again. Like, that's just how it feels. I never want to fall down again. I never want to experience binging in my life before. And guess what? I did my most recent experience with um, that type of e fearful eating um, or one part of you saying one thing, one part of you is doing the other thing was uh, sober October. I didn't partake in any drugs or alcohol for all of October. And mind you, this, my food had nothing to do with this experiment. I didn't. And at the end of October, when I was allowed to consume again and to drink alcohol, I didn't overuse either one of the things that I gave up. I overate. And that was interesting because I didn't expect that um, old demon to kind of resurface um, in that, in that area. Um, but it was just, when you, it, but it's a good learning experience to give yourself that freedom. And I think that's a really foundational part about healing um, what your relationship with food is giving yourself freedom with your food and being able to trust yourself. I heavily relied on macros for many, many years. I'm um, interesting to hear Kelsey, your thoughts on your relationship with food um, and like fear-based versus feeling in control. What are your thoughts on this now? What are you kind of airing on? I think do you still track your macros now or what are your thoughts on that general topic? <laughs> yeah, no, so, I mean, I love that you mentioned that because when you were mentioning, like, if I could have changed one thing about the reverse of my press, um, yes, obviously the, the binge eating part, but more so than that, I wish I would have in the beginning given myself more grace because I feel like I overdid it more because I felt the shame of it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just that weird, like, um, you know, if you beat yourself up about it, it's just going to make it like 10 times worse. And so I wish I would have just accepted the fact that it happened. And I feel like I wouldn't have done it as much or as bad or again um, so frequently if I would have given myself more space for it. So um, so that was a huge thing uh, for me. And that's what you know, I hope everybody can do if they go through this experience or really any type of like nutritional lifestyle changes in general, like there are always going to be times when you mess up and there are still to this day times where I'm not maybe necessarily proud of the way that I handled a certain food situation. 
Um, but nowadays, I have so much more grace for myself, and it allows me to not um, fall into that pattern because I feel like I don't feel guilty. Like I don't mm-hmm. feel ashamed anymore. Um, I I can balance out and eat certain like, treats or foods that maybe before I would have been like, no, nope, that's off limits, right? And when it's off limits, you overindulge, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, if I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna go all in, right? Well, nowadays, like, I can have like two instead of ten, and it's okay, right? So like that was a big, big uh, overcoming step for me was to be able to balance out food and understand that yes. These foods are more nutritional, so I'm going to eat more of them, and these foods are less nutritional, but they're not awesome. Like, that's a big, big thing. Um, and as far as, like, what I do now um, from a nutritional standpoint, I do still count my macros on a regular basis. However, to say that I hit my macros every day would be a complete lie. I mean, for the most part, I am pretty much on my stuff, but I pay much more attention to... Um, one, am I getting enough protein in a day? Are my calories within reason of me being able to maintain myself? If I have a meal out and I don't track it, I don't get all upset or frustrated, like it is what it is. So there's much more um, balance with that than what macro counting allows me to do nowadays because I'm sitting where I feel comfortable with my body. Is it just a check and balance thing for me? So it allows me to feel like I am within the boundaries and confinements of what I want to be without it being an obsession of having to hit everything super, super strict. And and I will red flag this for everybody and say that if you are on a specific goal of attaining a certain look, a certain weight, a certain anything, you do need to be consistent with some type of food tracking. When you reach a place where you are comfortable with yourself, that's when you can learn a little bit more about balance and being able to not be so crazy, um, like strict with tracking and like all that kind of stuff. Um, and you can you can let off the gas just a little bit and still find good balance with food, um, all that kind of stuff. So that's where I'm at right now, and it's taken me a long, long time to get there. Long time. But it is really, really worth it to be able to say that I have such a better relationship with food now than I did coming straight out of the last time I did a show or any type of in-between between my preps and then my off-seasons and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I, I agree. It's the I've come full circle as well from my competing experiences, my relationship with my food now. And I do want that to be a really clear message. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. If you are in a place right now where you are struggling with your relationship with food, there is tools you can use and, you know, work that you can do to start to reorganize your thoughts on how you have a relationship with food. Um, I read a book that really helped me be able to heal some of those, uh, vocabulary uses that I had with food and that really helped um intuitive eating like that just gave me the right vocabulary to be able to talk myself through some of those situations um and so I just want to circle back to kind of the timeline of things too because that's another question that I get a lot of time as a suit making company is the timeline of okay so I'm having these conversations with my coach that's awesome and I think you should be having your conversation with your coach long before you should be having your conversation with me, your suit maker. Um, 
And but when you do, I have also had coaches that wait until four weeks before their show to instruct their clients to get a suit. And if they want one that's custom made, that's just not enough time to be able to get all of the details hammered out and send the suit through production and mail it and all of that. So coming to us in a timely manner allows us to get the best show experience. Um, and so I pulled these numbers um, or these dates rather um, from when Robin had initially contacted me in April of 2020, looking to compete in the fall of uh, in October. And at that point had kind of, we had started working through um, some of our suit buying process, which is filling out our fit inquiry. And so we get her height, her weight. I get a general sense of her frame. She sent me her pictures. We, I knew her show date. So we know we started talking about suit options. I believe we started looking. I sent her to the website, go pick out a couple figure suits that you like the colors or look of, and we'll let you know if they fit. Um, and then at some point through that discussion, um, I think we had kind of settled on blue but hadn't quite nailed one down by the time that you guys had decided that okay we're gonna actually I'm gonna put my suit order on hold I slid her card over to the edge of my system and waited for her until she came back in January of 2021 um she was about 17 weeks out from May of 2021 um and said okay I'm gonna do the Mr. Miz I, I want this suit um I'm gonna rent it for these shows or whatever so and made it easy. We got to try it on ahead of time, made sure it fit, all that jazz. Um, so coming to, you know, coming to your suit maker early with enough time obviously helps to make the suit pro buying process a nice, easy transition. Um, and then having someone there to help get it on. There isn't definitely an art to getting on the suit. Um, Robin, when you first tried on it, when was the very first time you tried on a figure suit? And Kelsey, did you have to work at all with how to get the suit looking correct? Like, what was that process like? Did you ask me a question at all? Yeah. Like when did you, you first put a suit on? A figure suit. Oh, that was in... When did you do that pop-up? Um, that was probably in April of 2021. April. Yep. That's when I did it, when you guys did the pop-up with Aaron and everything. Yeah. Um, I went in there. I actually, I tried it on in the bathroom by myself, and I couldn't get the hooks on in the back. Um, and then I, at that time, you didn't, it was different, because the way you had it the first time, it was easier to clip on. I would just clip it on real quick. And I tried it on in the bathroom, and I really liked how it fit. Um, the second time, when I actually got the suit, you had put all the finishing touches on it. It was like, this suit is not coming off. <laughs> when me and Kelsey tried to put it on, she had to help me get it on. And then when we tried to take it off, we just could not get it off. <laughs> so we just kind of untied in the back and pulled it off. I was like, they are making sure that when you put this suit on, it is not going anywhere. <laughs> so um, it was very good quality suit. Very uh I felt confident in it, and I knew I wasn't going to have any issues, so. Such a fun color. I yeah. love seeing it on stage. I thought the whole look looked really well. Um, and so I heard you're uh, back on prep then. So what are future plans? Where are you at now? What does the future look like for um, competing or not? <laughs> for me? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, me and Kelsey have talked about doing Miss Worlds. Okay. Right? The, um, is it called just Worlds? Yeah. Nat yeah, natural world. It's for uh, NADF, so I see. 
Oh, that's another thing, too. Okay, so that's also a very unique situation. We didn't even talk about how you did at the end of your competition season. Um, it was an excellent competition season, um, and it was no accident. This was a very calculated and strategic competition season that started back in 2018. So I want to say kudos to you as a team for setting out a very long-term goal and crushing it, knocking it out of the park. Kelsey and Robin, tell me what your final stats were at the end of this season. Tell me how you placed and what shows you did and uh, what that competing experience was like. Well, I did Mr. and Miss Minnesota first here, and I went out for novice. Um, I'm a figure competitor, so we did figure novice and figure open. Um, I placed first in figure novice. Um, and then I went against because it was a figure short and tall class. So I went against the figure short girl, won that. So I won the overall. And then I did the figure open. And again, there was short and tall class. I went against, the, I won the figure open for my tall class. And then I, uh oh, did we lose her? <laughs> Hope's still going good. <laughs> I thought we lost you. So good. <laughs> and then I won the overall because I went against the short figure girl as well. So I pretty much swept the show in Minnesota, um, and then I flew to Florida the following week, and I did, I was going to just do the open, the pro, it would have been my pro debut there, I was going there as an amateur, but then when I won my pro card, I was going as a pro competitor, and I was just going to do the pro open figure, um, but then I was like, well, they got a prize in the 40 and up. Why not? They got the crossover thing now. So I decided to join the 40 and up masters, the masters. So I did the pro open first. When I saw these girls over there, I did not think I was going to be able to beat them. But one thing that Kelsey said to me a long time ago when I came to her before about a girl I had saw, she's like, don't worry about pictures. Don't worry about what they look like. None of that stuff matters. You worry about your package, and you go out there and you do what you got to do. So I can't see the lineup while I'm on the stage, but I gave my all. And I didn't expect these girls are crazy conditioned. I'm like, they're different than Minnesota. They don't look like this. The girls I went against in Minnesota didn't look like this. So I instantly was like, I don't know. So I started telling myself, Robin, be satisfied with second. I mentally started preparing myself that if I get second or even third, I'll be happy as long as I don't get dead last. So I did not expect to win. And if you watch the video, you're like, you would see I was shocked. When they called the other girl's name or another number, I go, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, I just won again. Ah! So, because Kelsey told me before we went over, before I went over there, she says, I've never seen anybody do their, win their first show as a pro and then go and sweep their first pro show. I go, well, I'm sure going to try. So I was floored, and then I go and I swept the Masters, too. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was like a whirlwind experience for me. I'm so humbled by it. I go ahead, Kelsey. Across the stage, <laughs> let alone select it. I 
just think it was a good season for it. Coming out of COVID, it wasn't that many competitors. It was a perfect storm to take everything. You know, who knows what would have happened if I'd had maybe eight to ten girls on the stage I would have had to beat. But just to have four or five, I mean, it was a perfect storm. It definitely motivated me to keep going. And the one thing that I, you mentioned earlier about when to compete, the one thing Chelsea kept driving home to me was, I'm not putting you on to your ready. You're not going on to your ready. I will not let you go out there and look like you're like you're not ready. So we're going to keep going until you're ready. And we, ne- we did not even nail out a date in 2020 until like the very last minute. We chose Clash of the Titans like last minute. She, and I, what I loved about that was, yeah, it kind of made me frustrated in the beginning if I will admit it. Because I'm like, dang, I don't know how many weeks I'm out. Like, that was a big glamour. Like, people kept asking me, how many weeks out are you? I go, I don't know. We haven't been a show yet. So that was like a big deal for me. But I kept going, she knows what she's doing. And I just got to be patient. So when we got Clash of the Titans, I'm like, sweet, I got a, I got a date. I know what I'm doing. Um, and then when we found out that got canceled, I was like, oh. But what helped me, uh, I was bummed out at first. But then Kelsey said, you know what? We can hold you here, give you a little bit of a refeed, and then start recutting you again in December. So that helped me because I wasn't, like, ready to get on stage. So I was like, okay, this is okay. We're just going to do a spring show. And I was able to get over that real quick. I had to swallow that and just get back on board. And what kind of help was the refeed? <laughs> the small refeed kind of helped me out there. So she, and, and what's crazy was she bumped me up. What was it like? Why was I, I think I was down to like 1,500 calories. She bumped me up to over 2,000 for the entire month of August. And I didn't gain a pound. I was like, how is this possible? I, I maintained 170 the entire month. And it wasn't until like the end, like the beginning of September that I started like creeping up maybe a pound or two. And then by then she was like, okay, let's just keep you there. And then we started cutting again in December. But it's just amazing what the body does and how I was able to just have the freedom to eat like that and then not gain a pound. It was crazy. And the sculpting yeah, that and happened. When we finally nailed down um, the Mr. and Ms. That felt good too. I think I finally was like, so what show are we doing? But that's one thing, like, she did not want me focusing on a particular show till she knew I was ready. And I know there's a reason behind that, Kelsey, maybe you can tell me, but I guess I figured it was because she didn't want me, she didn't want me doing anything until she knew I was ready. That was it. That's all I can think of. <laughs> and I was ready by then. <laughs> and Kelsey, do you want to yeah, add no, what I- things go into being ready? Thank you. 
That's awesome. And the audio was okay. a little bit muffled, so I'm just going to recap that. But it sounded like stress was the primary concern with that factor. So not picking a date and feeling kind of bound to that date really helped to alleviate some stress and to make sure you didn't get too hyper-focused in the wrong areas. And it sounded like you wanted to wait until life right. kind of settled down. Um, I also experienced having my life box shook up. That's like how I like to describe, like making a lot of big life changes. You take your life box, shake it up. And it takes a while for things to settle down. And competing during that time is not optimal because your body doesn't handle the – it's just because you don't feel stressed in your job. Like, I live in a very magical house, and I still am stressed because I still have to manage, you know, taking care of things, and you have these human emotions. So just because it's new and you chose to do it, your body is still handling that stress and learning that new information. Your brain is taxed in different ways and you really don't want to start dropping your calories when your brain is starting to learn something new and navigate a new routine. Um, and I would be yeah. willing to bet that there is physical neurological changes happening um, when you do move into a new home because your routines are completely different. Um, and if your work environment change, you're, you're using, you're learning in such different areas of your life as well. Um, so if you're thrown out of your normal routines and habits, not a good time to compete. Um, inside not of to mention COVID. Yes. Also makes things challenging in all sorts of ways. <laughs> Even the show itself, I'm sure, the show day experience is different and it's been different. Um, and honestly, though, COVID competing has been so fascinating to watch as an observer of the sport and keeping on tabs with it um, because I have seen lean – the leanest people ever on stage because shows kept getting delayed and pushed out so their show date would get farther and farther. Everyone was peeled, just shredded. Never seen every single person that lean before. Usually there's a few stragglers, but I was like, oh my gosh. So it's fascinating to see the COVID physiques that come out of it because you, those are the real dedicated folk that are going out of their way to take on a competition prep during this time. Um, Interesting. I'm ha happy to see that new people are still taking on the sport during this time. I think what back to the start of our conversation, having a goal to keep going and having a new motivation, I think is a really popular reason why people choose to compete. Um, and I think why people come to the sport is very important. And I, but I'd be willing to bet where people leave the sport is uh, very, very different than what they came there looking for. Um, I would like to caution anyone who's looking to compete to in order to repair a body image issue um or an eating issue um or about yeah so if you don't and that's a perfect world right if i'm giving people a list of things that you should feel before you compete um at peace with your body because you're going to see your body change drastically over those months um robin i'll be curious to hear your input on what it was like to watch your body transform over all those years to the best it's ever seen and now putting on some some weight um what that feeling was like um it sounds like you had a fairly healthy response to it initially um but if you have any more to share on there that would be great um, I remember seeing pictures of the girls that competed with Kelsey before her or past people that she put through prep. And I remember looking at those girls going, I'm never going to look like that, like stage ready, shredded like that. Like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine myself in that stage. And it happened like it was crazy how it just popped up. Like you expect that one day it's going to, 
you do all this work and then bam, you're going to be this shredded. No, it was like a gradual thing that all of a sudden daily you start seeing different changes and then you look up on it and you're like, I'm her, I'm, I'm here, like this is crazy. Um, I remember being seven weeks out and posting a picture going, I can't believe this is my body. Like, that I'm looking like this at night before I go to bed. And that wasn't even the craziest of changes. It was like the over peak week. I was blown away at how lean I was, how the muscles were popping out, and I loved it. Like, it was inexplainable happiness of seeing my body like that. Some people get freaked out about that, but I was ecstatic. Like, I'm freaking skeletal with all these muscles, and it's it's the craziest thing ever, but I'm so obsessed. <laughs> all the veins, all the muscles, everything. It was just amazing um, to finally get there. And then afterwards, like I said, the bloat was kind of a crazy thing to me. I didn't mind the added weight because I like being heavier. So it didn't do like a mind freak for me to be like, oh my God, I'm so lean and now I'm so, I feel fat. That's not how I felt at all. It was just the bloating that I didn't like. Like right now, how I look in the gym, I'm doing, I was just doing my uh, Monday's workout and I was doing the bicep curls. I'm like, yeah, seeing my arms pumped up and look, I got boobs again. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> and just seeing my fuller physique, I was, I'm in love with myself. So, um, I think a lot of, like I said, I have the best, I feel like I have the best coach in the world. And I feel like because she's, she's gone through everything. So she really seriously gets you mentally prepared for everything. And she does it at the right time. Not overwhelmingly throwing everything at you, but like really like tablespoon feeding you little at a time as the things go. So she had me mentally prepared for, you know, you're not going to be the way you look right now in your off season. You're going to gain a few pounds. You're going to be heavier, you know. She prepared me for all that, and, and then she, she kept reminding me that. I go, well, I think I'm looking forward to being a little thicker. <laughs> she, I remember her even telling me, let me know where you are when you're at your happiest so I know where to have you at in your off season. Well, how you look. If you like how you look. So I remember telling her, I like how I'm looking right here. So these are little notes and things that she was able to take on to know how to handle me in my off season. So I think I'm in great hands, and I'm – I'm okay with the extra weight right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, 100%. And I had a very, I had the exact same experience at almost the exact same time. I distinctly remember during my second contest prep, seven weeks out, took a picture in the mirror, and I was like, that's a body I never what? thought I could achieve. I'm living in it. And it was like a surreal moment. And it's, and that was about that time. And that's where I always feel the healthiest. That's where I explain between seven and eight weeks out from bodybuilding show is where it turns from health into fitness. And it's go time, and you get bring below, you know, suboptimal levels of body fat, um, and that dedication and that grind, and those are the hardest, you know, most intense weeks for me in my experience. Um, but yeah, that body changes, uh, and that's where I always like I felt the most comfortable at that eight weeks out is where my body fat was after I felt I looked the healthiest and felt the healthiest too. Um, and I do think that is a where you can come back post show to hang out. Um, I've probably right. gone past. And come back um, since a few times. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? Why do we expect something so linear and rigid when all of life is completely ups and downs, ebbs and flows? It's very cyclical. We have nature seasons. We have monthly cycles. Why do we expect ourselves to maintain such a rigid level of consistency when everything else in the world is completely and predictably changing? 
Uh, so I think that we need to be graceful with ourselves, like you said, Kelsey. And that is, I think, the fastest way to help move through issues is to give yourself grace. Know that you're coming from a good place and that it's okay. And you're just trying your best for that day, that the experiences that you had and the information you had at that time, all you can ask is that you did the best with that information. And give yourself grace. It's okay and it's fine. It always feels like it's the biggest deal in the world and it always takes up their brain's dashboard. But if you're able to breathe into it, give yourself grace, like give yourself some love, man. It's it's okay. Stop beating yourself up. The world is cruel enough to yourself. Don't add to that um, level of punishment. Uh, it doesn't actually make you feel better about it. Making yourself feel bad about it doesn't fix the situation. In fact, it kind of creates a negative blender of information um, if you try to feed into that guilt and shame cycle. Um, learning a lot of books about the power of uh, vulnerability, and that is true. You have to be vulnerable enough to say that, hey, that was scary when I ate more food than I intended to eat. And that's okay. What can I learn from this? And that can maybe help prevent it happening the next time or create more awareness around it in the future. Um, I often encourage with my clients tracking regardless of being on or off plan so that you can create an educated decision. So at least you know the damage that was done. It's not just that blank spot. That's of exactly like, what Kelsey just said too. Yeah. And it's interesting. She sometimes it's like a science. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and sometimes it's a science experiment. And guess what? You might find out that if you have all these naughty treats and go whatever has 3000 calories the day before leg day, you might hit your PR and that might be a secret sauce, whatever you The point being is you can gather data about the food that you eat, no matter what there is no on track or off track. You're just gathering the data so you can infer about information about it later. It helps a ton with digestive issues. So Robin, I'll be curious to do, maybe we should plan a follow up podcast in a few months um, because there's things that happen post show with hormone health and um, digestive issues that I'm curious on how other competitors experience those fluctuations post-show. Um, so I'll reach out in six months or so, ask you how your poops are and how your cycle is. And we'll have a nice chat in the future. Um, but no, there's a lot of things that, that rebalance out um, post-show too. Um, so I hope that everything goes well. Like I said, I think you're in excellent hands. I have seen this is best case scenario. I always like, feel bad when a new competitor asks me a, one simple question about competing and I give them all of this information about competing at one time. <laughs> but it's like, you know, if I were to compete, knowing all of the information I know, this is exactly how I would do it. Pick a date in the future, pick a time in your life where things where you're ready physically to a medium, get your body fat off that needs to be off, get to a healthy metabolic place get to a place financially where you can afford the help and guidance that you need. I think it's invaluable, the pieces of information. What makes Kelsey an excellent trainer is she fills in everything that falls between the cracks, but she obviously has are competent at handling your training and nutrition, but it's everything else that's in between that allowed you to have an amazing experience at competing this first time around. Like I said, it, you are a statistical, like a phenomenal, um, when it comes to competitors competing their first show and the path that you took, um, is absolutely remarkable. 
but I wanted to have this conversation to peel back the curtain and show that this wasn't a circumstance of dumb luck. This was incredibly strategized and practiced and planned over years um, of efforts and intention. Um, and it, it really is something you both should be extremely proud of. Um, and I'm thankful that we've been able to have this conversation um, because it's so valuable to me to share others. Um, each, every person experience with the sport is so different. Um, and yours was so unique um, in being well coached and directed and having, uh, being, able to, being able to transform your physique in such a stellar way. Um, it's, it's been awesome to be able to sit on the sidelines and watch it happen over the years um, and to be able to now kind of be able to dive in and feel, see what happens. Um, because competition looks so different from your social media feed. <laughs> um, I, you, always, you experience it all during prep and you only share the highlights because you always feel like you're the only one that's experiencing it um, while it's happening. And that's in any, any walk of life. You never share your shame while you're experiencing it. But I love that we've been able to facilitate an opportunity to talk about it after the fact and to share those moments of vulnerability. So I, I really appreciate you both being so open and honest and sharing with our audience um, about the real truths that come with competing. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an awesome sport, and I'm glad to see that it was a positive experience for you, and that sounds like you will be doing it again in the future. Um, what are you, if you were to do it all over again, Robin, what would you tell yourself at the very start? I think I would just prioritize things a little bit differently because I did kind of let it take over some aspects of my life because I didn't know how to deal with it. So the only thing I would say is focus on the more important things. You can do, you can have both, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I really did put it on the, in the front and I made it my main priority when, when I look back at it, I could have done both. So if, if I tell myself anything, it's remember to prioritize your family and prioritize your spirituality don't sacrifice those things keep them together you can have both yes it's not a so, black or white on or it. off go mode off right. mode it's a how do we bring this all work it together bring everybody right. in the, the full season thing. i feel like it'll be a whole lot better because i know that i know what to expect now i know how to manage it so. exactly there's so much yeah. new that goes into that first run around on that you can listen to all the podcasts, read all the vlogs in the world, but it will never prepare you enough for just experiencing it yourself. Um, but yeah. every experience is always different, and I'm excited to hear about how the next season goes um, because it's you get something different out of it every time is what my experience has been, um, which is why it's such a fun, cool, unique journey to be able to experience. Um, and I love that I get to sit by the sidelines and not have to die every season. Uh, but <laughs> someday they will kick off this dust on these heels. Uh, someday. Yeah. We'll grace the pro stage. Well, um, I'm on fire right now. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I super appreciate your time. I will link your information in the description box below. And thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it, ladies. Thank you.